Welcome back. We must really like recording day before the episode airs because we're doing it again. I'm cool with it, but it seems to be Alex's favorite pastime. <laughs> ah, hey guys, how's everything going? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in a perfect world, I would have probably been better recording it yesterday, but I had some stuff coming up. Plus, couldn't really do like past my dinner time. And even more things coming up. So, yeah, had to schedule it for today and let's see how it goes. But, I mean, we're recording pretty early uh, for our time, for your time in this case. So, yeah, it's one o'clock. Well, basically, yeah. two o'clock for me. So, we actually, and this is the good thing about the time being pushed back, we have changed what we were going to talk about like five times already. <laughs> Which is great. But I think we found a concept. And I think I've seen this concept on another show. I think I'm just going to take it. Sorry. Um, which is, you're going to give your guy that you think could blow up this season. Or could have a great season this season. And I'm going to give reasons why that won't happen. So, you're going to get to see both sides of the argument. Because I've talked about this before. I'm not sure if I've talked about this on air. But with the amount of content that is out there, you can get a take for just about anything. If you want to like find the most obscure player and have reasons for them to be like relevant, you can find someone talking about that player. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, we have seen it before in other shows, but uh, like this, this little. Uh... <laughs> differential that we're throwing it uh like having someone else like refuting set picks usually don't see that type of content at least i haven't seen it personally it's more like everyone gives their players so we found oh, it different have... to use this spin you don't watch the podfather enough because it was on his that i saw that and honestly i wasn't gonna pitch it originally but then you were like oh yeah we're gonna agree and i was like you know what challenge accepted i'm <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I, I personally, I, I, yeah, I personally hadn't listened to it. I used, I listened more to to like, for example, I know like the the fantasy footballers did a segment similar to this, but like everyone gave their guys, and there wasn't a really really a lot of pushback. So yeah, I was going based off of that. That's the one that I saw. Yeah, and <laughs> but you are certainly one to to push back on my guys, so should be a fun one. Yes, yes, it should be a fun one. Apparently, you have two players for each position, quarterback, running back. You said you had two tight ends. Yes. And I'm just going to, you know, go out back, get my bucket of cold water, and pour them on you. Cool me off. <laughs> cool you off. Um, there is some news that I wanted to talk about because um, apparently it came out. That um, Jerry Jones, I know you said on the last episode that Trey Lance, the 49ers were surprised that they got as much as they got. Apparently, um, Jerry Jones reportedly did not inform neither Dak Prescott 
nor head coach Mike McCarthy that 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 this deal to acquire Trey Lance was going down, which makes me believe that it was kind of a rush job. But <laughs> what message do you think that sends to both Dak Prescott and Jerry Jones that they weren't at least consulted first before this deal was made? I mean, yeah, it's a typical Jerry Jones move, I think, uh, like a 90s to early 2000s uh, Jerry Jones move. Uh, I mean, I'm quite surprised, honestly, to say to say the least. As of late, like the Cowboys oh. seem to be run by his son a bit more than they are run by him. So like those impulsive decisions of trading for guys without consulting the rest of the team seem to be a bit in the past. But, I mean, it's not exactly a vote of confidence to Dak, is it? Oh, and that, and that's kind of what I was going to say, is if this was Kansas City and a report came out that they acquired, you know, a first-round quarterback at that. With a Patrick top three Mahomes, QB. Yeah, with Patrick Mahomes there and Patrick Mahomes wasn't consulted on it, that would, no, that wouldn't fly. That that really tells you what Jerry Jones thinks of Dak Prescott. He doesn't view Dak Prescott in the same light as Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow. He views him as a level underneath. And I think that this is kind of like hedging his bets because I think the message this sends is Jerry Jones wants a good, deep playoff run with the potential of a championship with the Dallas Cowboys very soon. He's tired of it. And if he needs to blow it up and start Trey Lance with a new head coach, he will do that. Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't exactly be surprised. I mean, we've talked about the, the Cowboys. I've talked about, like, my not-so-good feelings towards Deck being uh, the type of QB he has been in the last two years, leading the league in interceptions, making some really bad mistakes. We have talked about Mike McCarty being a, a very conservative head coach that doesn't do well for the team that he has. And I mean, if we're looking at next season, I mean, after like June 1st, we can move back. I mean, there's a huge dead cap there for like 25 million, but it's still over 35, 34 million in cap savings if it's moved, like released or traded after June 1st. So, I mean, there might be something there. It might be just Jerry telling him that he needs to, to get his act together. He needs to take this team to a, a Super Bowl, which it's it's probably Jerry's <laughs> number one wish at this point. And he needs to take the Cowboys back to the 90s heights. And if he's not the man for it, I mean, Jerry will find the man who is. Here's the cool thing, because this is the fantasy show. Here's the cool thing about fantasy. Usually when something like that happens, I think the last example we have it is Jordan Love being drafted in the first round. Aaron Rodgers had an MVP. Do you think that Dak Prescott is in for a huge season, just motivated off that acquisition? I mean, I don't, to be fair. Uh, Dak doesn't strike me as the guy that gets motivated off of these moves. I, I'm, not so, I'm also not saying that he's not the type of guy that has that competitive fire. But, I mean... I don't think it will it will have the effects that Cherry thinks it has. To be honest, there was already the all the the Ben Denucci talks from from last season after he played like two okay games. Uh, Cowboys fans, some of them, 
especially like the talking heads. <laughs> especially the talking heads, like on the on the the big network shows, they were clamoring for Danucci and getting a bit resentful towards Dak because of his constant mistakes and so on that made him lead the league in interceptions. But here's so. the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about the about major media, and it's not. This isn't like something that's new. If if you're in major media and you're talking about basketball, the New York Knicks being relevant is good for your business. If you're talking about football on major media, the Dallas Cowboys is absolutely good when for them when they're relevant. That's one of the big teams. The Yankees, the Cowboys, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Knicks, those are those are your sellers. You want those teams to be good. This is why it's so easy to hate those teams, too. Yeah, and I mean, the ones that usually talk the most about the Cowboys are, I mean, one that is pretty famous is Skip Bayless, so <laughs> you will always throw his hat into the, the Cowboys talk, and yeah, I mean, for major media, yeah, those teams are, are huge to talk about, and trade uh, being traded there added an extra, an extra layer to talking about the Cowboys there. But but now but here's the thing we're in we're in this new world, it's also good for content creation because if you want a video that does good, talk about the Knicks. If you if you're in football, talk about the Cowboys. It's a very easy way to get. Well, I I can't say easy because getting an audience is hard, but it's a, it's a very easy way to start getting traction is to talk about these teams that have the biggest fan bases because. If it's the biggest fan base, it also has the most people viewing that content. It's it's just I mean, mad. yeah, even even a couple of days ago uh, or a couple episodes ago, we were talking about Dallas how Cowboys the, is going to be Cowboys... in the tag for this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we were talking about that the Dallas Cowboys could be like a ten to eleven team win, uh, uh, win team, a team that runs around them, and that we were both like. I wasn't as bullish as you were, but we still liked the weapons. We didn't like the coach, but we thought they could have a great season. And now he, like, a random, like, third, former third overall pick who, for all intents and purposes, is currently a bus, gets traded there for a fourth. And we are, we are now talking about Deck probably being replaced if he's not up to par again next year, ne this year. I mean, <laughs> speaks volumes to, to the power that the Cowboys have and how, how we can change things. Quite quite quickly, and I mean, it could totally amount to nothing in my opinion. If like if Dak plays like he has in years prior, not last year but in years prior, it's it's an it's a a non-story basically, and Lance will just be the the backup until or if Dak gets injured. But yeah, it shows you the power of the Cowboys here that we were talking about Lance. Here's I know you said I don't know if you said this on the podcast, but you said behind the scenes that. Trey Lance kind of apologized because he wasn't ready for the situation at hand. You you did cut off there, I believe. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You said either behind the scenes or maybe you said this live that Trey Lance apologized to the 49ers because of him because he wasn't ready for what the 49ers were. Correct? Yeah, and not being up to par to that like So what so how is Dallas a better situation?
You there? Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm cutting off or if you are, but oh, it suddenly sorry. just like disappeared in your voice again. Oh, sorry. No, I'm good. But how is Dallas in any any better of a situation? Because they have similar aspirations. The only difference is they have Dak Prescott. But even if Trey Lance gets thrust into that spot, no matter when that is, he is going to be expected to perform at a high level because they're the Dallas Cowboys. Am I still cutting now? Now you're in a team that traded like a fourth round pick and no one really expects much of you right now. I mean, <laughs> I think there's there's like levels of expectations here. Even even with Purdy and all of what happened to Lance's career in, in San Francisco, I still think like if he were called to play, the expectations for for his for his level of play would be much higher in San Fran than they will be in, in Dallas because of the investment that the team made. I guess that's true. Also, that came out, um, the Commanders wasn't the secret team. The Green Bay Packers were. That's great. Why is that? Te- like, explain to me why that's terrible. Because honestly, that's just like failing to evaluate what you have. Why would you want to add? I mean, I get Jonathan Taylor's a top running back. But why would you want to add that when you have... AJ Dillon and you have Aaron Jones. Could it be just that they aren't sold on AJ Dillon? Why though? I mean, at this point, I think we sort of expected more from AJ Dillon, didn't we? I mean, did we? When he was when he was drafted by the Packers, the whole idea was that it would be like the two to Aaron Jones for a while now. Uh, for a bit until he got moved on because he was already one older running back. And the talk last year for fantasy was that maybe they would have moved on from Aaron Jones then. Uh, AJ Dillon really didn't do a whole lot to to take the job away from Aaron Jones. It was still the Aaron Jones show with some AJ Dillon spring then. So I feel like that has always been the case in Dillon's career. Do you we think all... one of Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon would have been involved in that deal? Or maybe wouldn't both? shock me. It wouldn't shock me if it, if it was AJ Dillon because they did redo the, the Aaron Jones contract and they seem to like him quite a bit in That's Green cool. Bay. So I would expect to be AJ if any of the, the running backs were included. But I mean, I don't know. It's it's a weird situation because the Packers so, weren't really a team that we were looking at as a, a landing spot for a, for a running back, especially one of JT's talent. So really intriguing news. I, I do have um a perspective that was given to me recently that I'd like to share too with the Jonathan Taylor that I situation that I kind of let want your input. So you're still there, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, just making sure. Okay, so the Colts said we're not going to pay you, right? Yes. They said you're not worth top dollar running back value. They said that. They essentially said yes. that. So why then ask for top – they're asking for a $16 million running back's price, the equivalent of a first. 
but they don't want to pay him like he's a $16 million running back. So why put Jonathan Taylor in the situation where he has to get a $16 million evaluation trade and then that team has to pay him $16 million as well? Why not just say, we don't value it at this, we're going to offload you for like a second round pick, third round pick, whatever, and then they can pay him? Or why don't the Colts just pay him? If they va- if they value him in the trade negotiations like a $16 million running back, why not just give him the $16 million? Yeah, I mean, it's. I would say it's mostly Hersey trying to be Hersey. But at the end of the day, it's, it's an NFL thing as well. I mean, we have established that running backs aren't worth paying, especially like not in that 15 to 16 million per year range. We have established that, but at the same time, like the teams don't want to pay those guys, but they are okay if other teams do. But in doing so, they want to get like a reward enough, like to the level of the player. It's it's a weird thing here because we have Ursa has said that it's basically like the league would miss like a JT if it was that tomorrow. So and then he turns around and asks the Dolphins for like Jalen Waddle and so on, which it's mind-boggling, it's but insane. yeah, but at the same time, it's it seems to be an NFL thing, isn't it? I mean, they to me, want it's a ton try though. Either you evaluate him at a sixteen million dollar running back, or you don't. If you don't, you shouldn't be asking for the price tag of trade assets of a sixteen million dollar running back. Because yeah, you just, you to... said publicly you don't view him as that. They seem to want it both ways, don't they? Yeah. I mean, they they basically just want. To, to get the level of talent. Uh, they want to get a trade package that equals the level of talent that JT wants, but they are not okay with paying for that type of talent because of the position. So they are kind of this. And it's it's always the issue with trading a running back of this caliber. It's that everyone knows that you don't pay t- this type of running back the sort of money that he wants, but at the same time, you don't necessarily want to let him go for free because he is that sort of talent so you're in a bit of a binder i mean at least carolina paid christian mccaffrey before they sent him off they said yes christian mccaffrey is worth this money but then they had to come to the they had to come to jesus and realize oh this isn't a competitive roster and we have one of the best running backs in the nfl here well what do you do then he was traded. And he was traded <laughs> for the equivalent for what he was paid, though, for the equivalent of a top running back. Yes. That makes sense to me. I don't know. Either way. Yeah, but but we, we do have to say that on the, the Jonathan Taylor news, since the a trade wasn't struck, the, the news last, last night was that he would be put on the, the POP list. Uh, so he will miss the first four weeks of the season no matter what. So if you drafted Jonathan Taylor in redraft thinking he'd be back. Like I did. Like you. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> I still think I got him at great value. And I think he will play uh, like down the line this year. But yeah, not the first. Four I hope weeks. I play you the one of the first three weeks. That'd be great. Four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I do have him and Kyler at the pub. Oh, God, so. you really punted. <laughs> All right, let's I mean, get Tyler into was, it. Was the second to last pick, so that's fair. 
Let's get into it. Let's have the fun. Give me a player that you you can make it random. You can start at the top. I don't care. Give me a player you think is going to be great this year and give and tell me why. I mean, I'm just going to start off with the running backs. And I'm going to say James Cook. I mean, it's currently... Uh, so it should should be mentioned, like, for this, this type of breakout pick, we are basically calling guys that will have that big year and that will probably never get drafted around this ADP anymore after the, his, his big season this year. So, yeah, I'm going with James Cook as my first running back. I mean, he's going around mid-round, mid to late round eight. And I like the I like the slot right now. Devin, Devin Singletary isn't there anymore. They got Damian Harris in, into the team. And I mean, it's worrisome for the goal line stuff. But he's also like usually uh, susceptible to, to injury, especially on around the back. He already had a, a back injury during camp this year. And I think James Cook will be utilized a lot. I mean, I wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if he gets utilized in the in the receiving game as well. I really think like we have talked about it this before, but I mean, we have mentioned about how the the Bills struggle in the the red zone and that it should be one one thing to to develop for them and it passes through the the run game, like setting up a, a good run game will will fix those issues and will probably have them take a step a step towards being like one of the Super Bowl teams. And I think James Cook could be one of those guys that just completely pops off. I mean, he's a former second-round pick. He's the brother of Dalvin Cook. And, I mean, his metrics were pretty good in the, in the year that he came out. He was one of the players that I liked from that class. And I think he will have a pretty good chance at reaching the, that mid-level running back to territory and probably jump to like two three rounds next year in his ADP. So James Cook looks like a solid running back on paper. He is attached to a Bills offense that you go, Bills offense, yay! Scoring opportunity. But here's the thing. James Cook is 5'11", 190 pounds, and he couldn't surplant Devin freaking Singletary. So you're telling me James Cook is suddenly going, and he should be used as a receiving back. But you're telling me James Cook, who can't supplant Devin Singletary, is suddenly going to be great when they bring in Damian Harris, who is a better running back in every metrical way than Devin Singletary? There's one metrical way in which he isn't, which was basically injuries. Devin Singletary was a pretty non-injured guy, basically. And Damian Harris is known to miss games. And, I mean, if we look at how many targets were available from last year, I mean, like running back targets, uh, the Bills have, like, the fifth most or sixth most running back targets available. They have over 69 running back targets. That's... uh, basically got uh, available because of losing set players, like missing Devin Singletary and so on. So I think he can take a good a good part of those 69 targets. And, I mean, he, he did play better down the line last year. I mean, he started the season injured because he, not the season, but like camp and so on, he was injured. So he started the season slow. But you could see from like talks from the coaches and so on that they were really really hyped for him and really wanted to see him succeed down the line. And, I mean, all of the talks through camp have been that he has been the most involved player in that offense, and he has been used basically everywhere as a running back. 
So, I mean, I'm excited for him. I know that's the argument that the Bills are the Bills, and they aren't usually, like, that big of a run team, and Josh Allen steals a lot of the goal line stuff. But I think James Cook could be a sneaky player here. For the record, James Cook had 16 red zone touches. 16 red zone touches in the offense that Damian Harris played last year wouldn't have even been second. So you're and and Damian Harris didn't come from like Kansas City or Cincinnati where he was getting a lot of red zone opportunity. He came from the Patriots and he wasn't even their leader. So you're telling no, he is gonna soak up a lot more of James Cook's value than you realize. I'm telling you. I mean, if we're looking at some efficiency metrics from James Cook last year, yeah, he was second in the league in true yards per carry. With 5.3, he was third in the league in yards per touch with 6.3. And he was first in the breakaway run rate uh, with a 12.1% of breakaway run rate. You mean while he wasn't able to usurp Devin Singletary while he was doing that? I mean, by end of the season, he he was basically usurping him. So, I mean, start of the season, he missed part of camp. So I think that's basically why he wasn't as involved. But by end of the season, it was his, his... at least it was closer to a 50-50 or a 60-40 to James Cook. So, I mean, I think there's something here. I don't think Devin Singletary is like the worst running back in the league. And I do and I do think that Devin Singletary will give some addicts to Damian Pierce owners now that he is in Houston. So, and I mean, I just like the James Cook. And I mean, only three drops as well last year. I mean, I like him. You know what? That was fun. That was a good segment. <laughs> give me, give me your next player. I, I like this. I like this a lot. I mean, I'm going, I'm going to throw you a guy that you probably like as well, Rashad White, uh-huh. being drafted around uh-huh. mid round seven. Sure. And we have talked about the <laughs> neither of us really loving the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, you seem to like it a bit more than I do because you think Baker Mayfield is good. But, I mean, if there's one thing that we agree on is that Baker Mayfield loves to throw it to the running back. And he will have plenty of chances here. Rashad White already had 50 receptions last year, being the number two to Lenny Fournette. I think he can even improve there. I think he, we could see a running back with 60 to 70 receptions. And he, still, he should now get most of the, the running, uh, running work as well. So... There's only really one guy behind them in that offense. I mean, there's two, but unless you, you think Sean Tucker or or your guy. Uh, what was his name? Keyshawn Vaughn can be a threat to, to Rashad White. I mean, I don't think any of them can. I think Rashad White is in for a very solid year. I, I wouldn't... I, I would be... I'm going to be bullish, and I'm going to say he, he can have a top 12 running back season. Which would immediately propel him to a yeah. I think that would immediately propel him to a round four, round three AP next year. I mean, the team isn't great, but I think they have to to run the ball and they have to pass the ball to someone. And yeah, it will be a good part to Goodwin and to Mike Evans. But at the end of the day, Rashad White is still there, and he will get used. So I'm going to give you some 
scary efficiency stats from Rashad White last year. <laughs> Rashad White, 3.6 yards, 3.6 true yards per carry. That ranked 65. Yards per touch, 4.3. That ranked 48th last year. His juke rate, outside the top 30. His evaded tackles, outside the top 30. His breakaway run rate, outside the top 40. His breakaway runs in general was almost at 50. He is not an efficient runner by any of the efficiency metrics. What he is good at is catching the ball. He's got a frame like he could be an every down back. He came out old. He came out, He, was, if I'm not mistaken, he was the oldest running back to come out of his class. I believe so. That's not very good signs when you're inefficient as a runner and you were one of the oldest running backs to come out of your class. He is do going... You know... Go ahead. <laughs> You do know that he he was pretty effective in the receiving game, though. He was, he was second two. in the league in a catch rate, yeah? He was. And in, other than that, I mean, he was also like the thing. 16 in route runs, so I think that takes a jump up. But here's the thing. Once again, offenses kind of dictate production. Do you not worry that someone is going to be a more efficient runner than a top 40 runner on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and take some of those touches. And let's be real, Baker Mayfield run Tampa Bay offense isn't going to be top five in pass attempts like it was last year under Tom Brady. Yeah, but uh, my counter argument there would be that a Baker Mayfield led offense probably isn't going to be really good. And they probably won't be ahead in many games. So I would prefer the guy who's receiving the balls. And I don't think that O-line will be, will be great. So I would want the guy who's getting the dump-offs, like the one to dump-offs to Rashad White. I think it will happen pretty often. And they will have to pass the ball more than, than last year. Because the offense will be, will be worse. The defense isn't as great. So I think they will be down a lot in a lot of games. And they will have to pass the ball, and Baker won't have a lot of time. So Rashad will get plenty of dump offs, in my opinion. Plus, last year, I mean, it wasn't that effective, but at the end of the day, he faced some, like, for example, he was number 14 in the league in stacked front carry rate. So the boxes were all about all... average. That's about average. There's that's above games. average. That's, that, that's I mean, just, average. that's literally just above <laughs> average. Yeah, but I mean, in my in my opinion, it's just that he will get a lot of the receiving work, and I think he will get better as a runner. Uh, I just think that, as we mentioned, like one reception is worth what two or three carries, basically. So at that point, I think he will get all of all of the receptions or most of the receptions in that backfield. I don't think any of the other guys are really that talented of receiving backs, so I would expect him to to get most of that work and I, I could really see a 70 to uh, 70 reception season for him. Mm, I don't know. I think the path for Rashad white RB one is filled with a lot more landmines than you might believe. It could be, but at the end of the day, I mean, he's going around mid round seven and I mean, if he gets 70 receptions, I gotta believe that's, 
at least a top 15 season for a running back, independent of basically any of the rushing production, because he's still the running back one right now on the team. So, I mean, even if he just gets like 500 to 600 rushing yards with 70 catches, it should get you another 500 receiving yards. And I mean, with that reception profile, I really think he's one of those guys that has that high ceiling to be a top 12 running back. And as I said, immediately propel his ADP next year to a top four round ADP. See. Okay. So we are jumping next into the running backs. And there's the running one backs. of guys, uh, the wide receivers, my bad. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I want to jump into a guy that we both seem to like right now. It's Sky Moore. I mean, he's going late round 11, basically. So, pretty, pretty late in drafts. And I really think he will get, he will be the running, the wide receiver one for Kansas City and for Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, last year didn't matter a whole, a whole bunch who was the wide receiver one. They basically let, ran like a wide receiver, <laughs> a wide receiver rotation, basically uh, a committee, as to say. And this this season, I really think it could change. I really think it could be the Sky Moore and Travis Kelsey show. I mean, Sky Moore didn't have the best of the rookie seasons; had a pretty awful rookie season, to be frank. But I mean, Very he's awful. one of those non-power five guys will usually take quite a bit of time to, to get going, like a Devontae Adams, for example, who took a while to, to be the type of wide receiver that he is. And I think he can take a step up. They they were trying to involve him quite a bit in the playoffs, especially like at Super Bowl and so on. They were really trying to get him going. And all of the reports throughout the camp have been that he, he is like Mahomes' favorite targets and he's usually on the field and he's on the field most of the time in like two wide receiver sets with MVS on the other side. So yeah, I think Sky can be a guy that you take late and really breaks out and takes your team to new heights. And if he does break out, as I assume he will, I mean, I don't see a scenario in which he he goes anything lower than round four or five in next year's draft. So answer me this. Yes. Who was the top wide receiver for uh, Kansas City and Fantasy last year? Because I genuinely don't know. I would think it's Juju. It was Juju. I would think. But I would think so. Yeah. That's kind of the point. The top receiver is a trick question. The top receiver is actually Travis Kelsey. Yes, that is true. <laughs> so Travis Kelsey is still there. I don't know about you. But generally speaking, especially with wide receivers, you want your wide receiver to have produced his rookie season. It doesn't have to be Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, but a Drake London season, you know, usually he'll do. That's usually a pretty good trajectory, trajectory for future success. Sky Moore struggled to get on the field. That's... Mm-hmm. That's pretty rough. I understand the argument that he came from a smaller school, and so it's going to take him longer to adjust. But realistically speaking, all you all you, and everyone who says that are saying is this is actually Sky Moore's rookie season. So if it's 
his real quote-unquote rookie season, what exactly are you expecting from him? Are you expecting Justin Jefferson a thousand yards breaking record season? I mean, why? I would say this is like his rookie season. Last year was his rookie season. He got acclimated to the league. Uh, the wide receiver room, I think we expected a tad more from him than than we should have. The wide receiver room wasn't that wasn't that good, probably. I mean, they had Juju, they had MVS, they had other guys in that wide receiver room, so that's why we thought he would have a chance to have an immediate impact. But we sometimes like. We try to make these guys more than they are, and we we fail to to like properly assess how big of the jump they take from in competition and so on. And I think it was the year that Skymore got acclimated in the league. We could have see, we could see like down the line he played a whole lot better, in my opinion. Especially as I mentioned, like in the Super Bowl and so on, uh, he was what, way more involved, was catching touchdowns, was used a lot in the in the return game as well. So. I think this is the year that he takes his leap. I I, I could un- honestly see like a thousand yard season from him. I wouldn't be shocked. What's the leap though? The leap is from like two hundred yards, Alex. That's what you're yes. leaping from. Yes, the, I'm. I think he will leap from two hundred and fifty yards last year to around a thousand. To be frank. Because if he is the number one for Mahomes, and if he does get the targets that I'm expecting him to get, and it is an offense closer to what it was when Tyreek was around, which was basically like Kelsey Tyreek, and then wide receiver by committee, basically, then I do think he gets the targets and he does get the touches. And, I mean, at round 11 ADP, I mean, it's it's insane deal if he, if he does pop up as I expect. It's great value, I understand that. But for your scenario to work, Sky Moore basically has to suck up all the targets from the rest of the wide receivers, essentially. And also prove that he's a productive wide receiver in the NFL, which I love him, but he hasn't done that yet. He hasn't that much. I mean... I believe there were around 135 targets available from that wide receiver room from guys that left this, this past offseason. Most of them were, were from Juju. And he already had 33 targets from last year. So would it be crazy if he gets, I don't know, around oh, 90 oh, targets? Oh, boy. I mean, yeah, 33. And I mean, if he gets around, what, 50, 50% of the targets that are now available, we are talking about, what, around... 60 something so around 90 targets with the ones that he had already last year 90 something i mean i think he could do something with those 90 90 targets if he is the type of player that we saw down the line last year and that had an impact in the super bowl and the afc championship game as you said as well you said in previous episodes that you remember the impact that he had and that they were indeed trying to force him the ball quite a bit more I mean, I think he can be one of those guys that takes the leap, and what we saw at by the end of the season last year is what we are getting now. I guess time will tell. I mean, and his athletic profile is is great. I mean, in college, he had a forty four point eight college dominator, which is usually a good indicator that he that he, he is one of those great wide receivers. And but I mean, it's not 13... all end all. It is. It is not. It is not. And a thirty-nine point five college target share, which is which is ninety-nine percentile. I mean, 
I like his I like his athletic profile. I like his his college tape, and I liked what I saw from him down the line last year. So yeah, I think it's one of those guys that will have a real impact in that team. All right, who's your next wide receiver? Well, <laughs> if the last one created some debates here, my next guy is Jahan Dotson, the wide right. receiver from the <laughs> from the Washington uh, Commanders. Uh... Which you are a fan of, and you are a fan of that offense, as I know. It's one of the the better offenses in the league, wouldn't you say? Tell tell me how Jahan Dotson being thrown the ball to Sam by Sam Powell is somehow going to. Oh God, I don't even want to say it. Go, just tell me how Jahan Dotson is going to be good. <laughs> I mean, my outtake for the year is that he probably outscores Terry McLaurin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I wouldn't be shocked if he's a top fifteen wide receiver this season. He did. I mean, former first round pick. We weren't like crazy about him uh, when he was drafted. We weren't as high on him as we should have been. And I mean, if you look at his his production last year when he when he was on the field with Terry McLaurin. When he came back from injury, like early in the season, he did outscore Terry McLaurin. He was a touchdown machine, basically. He was used heavily in the red zone as well. I think he's one of those players that can really take the leap this three, year. And I like three that times offense. they made it to the red zone. <laughs> you are really critical of, about them. You are really, really critical. <laughs> I think they will have a they will have a good offense, and that I think there's a lot of targets that are just going to Terry and Jahan because the, the options after that aren't really that great. I don't think like Curtis Samuel will get a lot of abuse there. And he's he's more of a, a Swiss Swiss army knife basically. And after that, I mean at tight end you have Logan Logan Thomas. So he's kind of like on the older side and I don't expect much from him. So yeah, I think Jahan will get a pretty good season. I think he might even outscore Terry McLaurin. And I know you don't like Sam Howell, but I mean, my come from Sam Howell prior to the to the draft and watching his, his UNC tape was basically Justin Herbert lead. So, plus, I should also mention, like, Jahan Dodson was the most started player by Sam Howell in the preseason, so... I think there's a connection there. Oh, and they will develop boy. as the season goes on. Oh my god! Yeah, he has a twenty-five point seven, I believe, target share in the in the Sam Owls dropbacks in this preseason. So, how many is that? Like twenty? Forty-four dropbacks, so twenty-five percent target share. <laughs> yeah, you uh... can imagine that it isn't great. It's around eleven, so. He still led the team by far. I mean, the next second was 14.3, so. So, not only, let me get this straight. Not only do you want me to believe in the Washington Commanders offense that is currently led by Sam Howell, who is a sophomore quarterback who only started at the end of last season, you want me to believe that either A, he can usurp Terry McLaurin, or B, he can be 
supported as a second wide receiver on the Washington Commanders offense that's led by Sam Howell. Who's the head coach of the Commanders? Ron Rivera. Oh, oh, it's Ron Rivera. Do you know? Oh, who's the offensive coordinator there now? Uh, It's uh, Eric. Is it Eric Biennemi? It is Eric Biennemi. Yeah. So let me get this straight. The guy who is most known as the ground and pound guy in Carolina when he had D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart and the guy who's most known for targeting running backs in the red zone with Jarek McKinnon are now suddenly, which by the way, Kansas City, other than Tyreek Hill, wasn't a great wide receiver destination either. So you're going to tell me the people not known for targeting wide receivers are now suddenly going to target wide receivers. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. Okay, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Because, I mean, they have two great wide receivers here. They have Terry McLaurin, who's, as I mentioned, a top 15 wide receiver in the league, a top 10 wide receiver in the league. And then you have Jahan Dotson, who, I mean, in the last, what, five Mm. games of the season, he was a top 15 wide receiver in the league for, for fantasy purposes. I mean, twenty percent of his of his targets are like touchdowns. So, I mean, I don't know. I think he will be a, a red zone target machine, basically, and, and he will get used there plenty. And I mean, yeah, twenty percent of Jahan Dotson catches in twenty twenty two were touchdowns. So, <laughs> so hold on, he's hold a on. red. He's a I, red zone merchant, basically. I, I'm I'm looking for something real time. Uh, I want to. I want to see. Okay, so last season, this is so bad. Last season, they ranked twenty fourth in points scored, which is worse. Somehow, it was worse than twenty twenty one. Last season, they were twentieth in yards gained. And you're telling me that how this, many touchdowns did they score? That this bottom ten offense is gonna support top you said top fifteen Terry McLaurin and another wide receiver? Yes. I think they will support okay. two wide receiver or okay. like at least two wide receiver twos. One of them will be I am the right receiver. You just want to go all in on that offense? You want to get uh get Brian and get uh Antonio Gibson too? I've I've mentioned that I like Are Brian gonna... Robinson as, as EDP. So so they're just gonna support all these guys as a bottom ten offense, is what you're saying. Yeah, I don't think they will be a bottom ten offense. And the big difference is they too will now have Harry B. The big difference is what? Sam Howell? And yes, Sam Howell, yeah. I think oh Sam Hall will surprise you, my guy. Oh really my god! Will. I cannot, I cannot wait until these Tuesdays, where I'm going to be doing box score reviews for the Washington. Com- oh, that's going to be so fun! That is going to be so fun. Yeah, I think Jahan Dotson will will shock you. I think he will will break great, and he will have a bunch of red zone touches. I mean, the dude had like played twelve games, I believe. 
He had 61 targets, 35 receptions, and seven touchdowns. I mean, I think I think it's insane. Do you know why like he him. only had 61 targets? Because he was injured for five games and they didn't pass him the ball were, a lot. And because they were a bottom 10 offense. Because he wasn't playing with Sam Howell and he didn't have oh, Eric Bieniemy as his offensive coordinator. Sam Howell. Oh my God. I just I just want to go back and say that before, like Sam Howell's last year in college, he was talked about as a, a first round pick. And even after that season, plenty of mock drafts have him, had him going like second round and so on. I think he will surprise you, dude. I think Sam Howell will be one of those guys that look a whole lot better than his draft capital was. Well, thankfully, we have all season to talk about Sam Howell. And Jahan Dotson. And Jahan Dotson. And yeah. Terry McLaurin. And Brian Robinson. And Antonio Gibson. And heck, do you want to get Logan Thomas in there, too? Can we get some Logan Thomas love? Yeah, I don't, per- I don't really love Logan Thomas. Uh-huh. Okay. Plus, I mean, Jahan Dodson last year, 13.9 a dot, ranked fourth among wideouts with 60 or more targets. I mean, he will be one of those deep threats. Sam Howell has a huge cannon arm, and he will get used a lot in the red zone. Sign me up. I mean, for a seventh or eighth round wide receiver, I'm totally done for that. And that leads me to my QBs, which being drafted oh. around <laughs> late round nine, early round 10. Sam Howell. <laughs> so, so you can just just uh, copy all the objections I put. You can t- copy the bottom ten offense. You can copy copy the won't be in the red zone very often. You can co- you can copy all of that, and this and the same thing applies to Sam Howell. What Howell about pro- Sam? Go ahead. I mean, prolific passer of college. I mean. Plenty of 30, yet two of his three seasons with 30 or more touchdowns. Only seven interceptions in either of those two seasons. Then he lost some of his of his playmakers. But I mean, even in this last season, it wasn't all terrible. I still like them as a prospect. Uh, around 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions. But the stat that jumped to me the most was 828 rushing yards. So, and we saw that as well in like in the pros in his first game as a as a rookie. He liked to run the ball. I mean, I think he had around 30 or 40 rushing yards in his one game as a as a pro. So, I mean, if you if you propel that those those 40 rushing yards across 17 games, you're looking at a 600 around 600 rushing rushing yards type of guy. And I mean, we know that those those rushing yards are key to to the QBs taking those big leaps. I don't think the offense is as bad as you have mentioned it. I think Eric the enemy will help him take that that leap towards being better than he was last year in the the one game that he had and the the whole offense in general to be better than they were last year. And I like Sam Howell at his ADP at his cost. I think he's one of those guys that will have one of those surprising seasons and will will have a top six to seven ADP next year. So yeah, get him now while you can at a cheap discount and and go for it. I is I mean, we have basically mentioned most of the the Washington guys. It has been known that I that I like the Washington offense to be to be successful, and yeah, sign me up for the Sam Howell type. Sign me up for the Sam Howell hype <sighs> <I> train. <laughs> I mean. So- 
what was his breakout age? I believe it was around like 19 years old, 92nd percentile. Uh, I mean, very, uh... dude was pretty good in college. His last season sort of soured on him. If he could have like come out as like a two year pro, a two year starter in college, it would have been a much better draft capital, I believe. Just the last season kind of screwed him there. And I think he, he will have a bounce back in the NFL and he will look much better than he than he did in the last season in USC. Okay. Hold on. I need to do something in real time. All right. Search Alex. Hold on. Hold on. Where are you? So who's next while I do this? Who's next on your list? I mean, one of the guys that we both kind of like as well, Kenny Pickett, currently being drafted around early round eight in super flex drafts. I mean, I think he can take a jump there. Uh, as we've mentioned before, he's one of those guys that has like sneaky wheels and he can have that like Daniel Jones top nine, top eight QB season because of his rushing floor. And I think the, the offense as a whole takes a step forward. I've liked what I've seen from him and from the old offense uh, throughout the offseason. He has led touchdown drives in every single game that he has played. And they honestly look pretty good. I mean, George Pickens, Jahan, um, Deontay Johnson, uh, Patch Frymuth with Najee and Jalen Warren there in the backfield. The O-line isn't great, but I, I trust Mike Tomlin. My one concern, again, is is Matt Canada. But at, at the end of the day, I think Kenny Pickett will, will take a step, for, a, st- a step forward and he will look much better than he did last year. Uh, his rookie season wasn't great. Still some encouraging stuff that I see from him on tape. He has a willingness to run, which, as as I've mentioned, will, will help him have that Daniel Jones-type season. And where he's being drafted... I'm all I'm all for him, and I think he can take that step towards being like a a top five, top six round QB next year. So you're not. Th- By the way, you have a trade in your inbox in Manny Face League. Um, so you don't really think Kenny Pickett has the upside to be a um, top quarterback? You just think he'll be a better quarterback than one of the bottom quarterbacks because I'm going to I'm going to give you some insight. So at the end of one of my money redraft leagues because I got so it was like a 14 teamer and I got screwed out of getting any of the top quarterbacks, the Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, etc. So I was literally like in the I I picked kicker and defense with my last two picks. It was the third to last round. And I was staring, and it was Kenny Pickett, it was Derek Carr, and it was, there was one other person I was considering, why am I drawing a blank? Kenny Pickett, Derek Carr, and... Sam Howell? No, I, no I'm not <laughs> insane. I'm not insane. I wouldn't consider, but Sam Howell was there, but I wouldn't consider Sam Howell even with my third to last pick because I don't invest in the Washington Commanders offense. I am actually going to go because he. there was a theme with this. Hold on. I will, I will get this third quarterback. There was a theme with that third quarterback. Where are you? Here you are. And you should probably 
You should probably ponder Sam all over Derek Carr. You will be surprised when he finishes ahead of him this year. It wasn't Baker. It was Russell Wilson. Okay. So, do you know which one I picked? You should have picked Pickett. I picked Derek Carr. Ah, you have a fascination for Andy <laughs> Dalton, dude. I swear <laughs> to God. It must be all of the seasons that he had in Cincinnati. So, here's... <laughs> so, here's the thing. Yes, Kenny Pickett looked a lot better to end the season. But we also have to remember that Mike Tomlin is in the business of winning football games. And the process of winning football games to Mike Tomlin a lot of the times is running the ball a lot. Whether or not Kenny Pickett is the oldest, because he is, he was the oldest quarterback of that class, he still was a rookie, and he still looked like it took him the full 17, 18 games before Mike Tomlin had faith in him and gave him the full reins. I don't think he's quite at Big Ben status as far as allowing him to just sling it. So I think the cap for Kenny Pickett is a lot more restricted than a lot of people think because you look at you look at that Steelers offense and and I get why people drill over it. It's got weapons galore. In fact, you're going to talk about one of them later. And it's going to be really hard cuz I had a really hot take on that player er, like two episodes ago. But regardless, it's going to be a ru- another run-heavy defense, or run-heavy defense, a run-heavy offense. Because here's the thing, if they get into shootouts with the Ravens and the Bengals and even the Browns, they're losing those shootouts. Kenny Pickett is not Joe Burrow. Kenny Pickett is not Jamar- Lamar Allen. Lamar Allen. <laughs> oh my God, my brain today. You can tell I've been having a rough day. He is not Lamar Jackson, and he is not even a worse Deshaun Watson. So tell me, tell me who you have faith in that division. That give division? me your, give me your order. What, what what order would you rank those quarterbacks? For fantasy or in real life? Do it for both. I don't care. I mean, I would think that Burrow is the first for for both, in fact, and Lamar probably the second for both. But I mean, IRL, I probably prefer the Sean Watson, but for fantasy, I would think that Kenny Pickett is probably my third QB out of that out of that room. I don't think you should draft him as the third QB because the Sean Watson is obviously the 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 guy going much much higher. But I think that Kenny Pickett will actually have a chance to finish higher than Deshaun Watson this year. That's how bullish I am on Kenny Pickett. And I mean, if we walk back to to your decision on the on the QBs, I think you've mentioned before, but I mean, you like Derek Carr because he's a great, like, deep pass thrower, right? Yep. And that and I mean, equals fantasy points. Yes. And I mean, Kenny Pickett didn't have as many attempts as Carr did. He only had 41 deep ball attempts. 
And he only did play like 13 games. And I believe one or two of those weren't complete because he, he got injured early. So, but even even then, he's 23rd in the league in deep ball attempts with 41. And out of those 41 deep ball attempts, he was pretty darn good in the deep ball like stats. I mean, deep ball completion, completion percentage, he was ninth in the league. Uh, if you're looking at deep ball accuracy rating, he was sixth in the league. Deep ball catchable pass rate, he was first in the league in that. And I mean, catchable pass rate overall, second in the league. What he does offer you that Scar doesn't, because uh, they're both not really that accurate in the red zone. But what he does offer you that Carr doesn't is, I mean, it's his red zone carries. I mean, he was 11 in the league, even only playing 13 games. He was 11 in the league in red zone carries. So he does show you that willingness to take off the ball, take off with the ball in his hands when he is in the red zone. And that equals many more fantasy points, because especially if you're playing in leagues where it's four points per passing touchdown instead of six, then that's a huge boost for, for him, especially if he's taking those balls and running those in through the to the end zone. So I get, and I mean, I know uh, the point that you had that Mike Tomlin likes to run a, a very run heavy offense. That's a fact, but I mean, it takes Pickett's taking that jump, that jump towards being that better run, that better QB, uh, and running that better offense for Najee and Warren to have more chances in the running game. So unless he does take those those leaps and becomes a better a better QB, I think they they might play from behind a lot. And even then, it's it helps Pickett to to throw the ball more and so on. So yeah, at cost, I think Pickett is an excellent option, and I think you should have taken him instead of Derek Carr, honestly. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hello. Oh. <laughs> okay. I disagree with you. I think Derek Carr was the move because wheels up Saints offense. But, I mean, I can see. I can see where you get that. So, let's move on to the tight ends, right? Or do you have another wide receiver you want to depress me with? You want to talk about another commander's wide receiver? None of that. Maybe Curtis Samuel? Curtis Samuel? Tickle your fancy? (laughs) I'm not a fan of Curtis Samuel. Oh. But, I mean, if we're talking about tight ends, though, (laughs) Logan Thomas? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, now, uh, if we're talking about tight ends, one of my favorite targets deep uh, down the, the draft board is Sam Laporte. I mean, I know that the track record for tight ends isn't great when they are rookies. It's not usually like all wheels up for those guys. But I think it's a wide open offense. I mean, you're looking at offense that has, has freed around 86 or 82 targets. For 82 targets, my bad. 82 targets for the tight end position alone. Overall, I mean, they have freed up what over what around 323 targets for the the whole offense, and those those have to go somewhere. I mean, I think Jameson takes some of those away, but he won't be back until week six. And all of the reports we heard from camp was that Sam Laporta was one of the better players in in Lions camp and was one of the more involved players in Lions camp. And outside of Amon Ra, I don't really think there's a lot in that offense that's that they can go off on. I mean, they still have Gibbs around, and you should get a, a decent chunk of this target volume. But I mean, I think Sam Laporte is a good bet to get around all of those 
tight end targets that are now vacated. So, yeah, I think he can have one of those impressive rookie seasons, uh, and that's like round 11 ADP. I think he's one of those guys that can jump to a, a round 7, round 8 ADP next year. Uh, and if he really does have a huge breakout, could be even a top 5 to 6 round ADP tight end. So you already uh you already kind of hinted at the big issue with picking a rookie tight end but could you please tell me Alex um what is the list of uh breakout rookie tight ends exactly How Pitts and <laughs> Pat Framuth also could have a breakout, I think. And uh, that. I think, I think we can consider that a breakout. That Evan Ingram. Just... Evan, yeah, Evan Ingram as well. That's uh, the thing. The list isn't long. That's the point. So you are making, like, the odds of you getting a rookie tight end that breaks out his rookie season and the odds of you winning the lottery, I'm sure, aren't that far apart. <laughs> So, I don't think they are as well. So, that's the huge risk. That's why, listen, as far as tight end goes, depending on your league format, because tight end premium is obviously a different monster. But if you don't get Travis Kelsey, if you don't get Mark Andrews, if you don't get George Kittle, there's a pretty big debate as to how far you can wait to get tight end to me. I know it seems like, because it used to be you can wait to get tight end as one of your last picks, and that seems to have shifted over the years, but I don't know about you, but uh, the guy on your list next, you can get pretty much at the end of the draft. Uh, no. Not sure if it's end of the draft. I, I have him as a, long, a late round 8 ADP. So not quite the end of the draft. Uh, Sam Laporte is going three rounds later. And yeah, as you mentioned, the track record isn't great for rookie tight ends. But I mean, Sam will have plenty of chances. And that's one of the, the main factors here is that he will have that chance. He will have those targets and he will have that opportunity to actually rise up and be one of those, those good tight ends. And he has showed like that is a pretty good receiving tight end in college that doesn't obviously 100% translate into the NFL and he will get some of those those blocking assignments that ruin the value of tight ends for us but at the end of the day he should get the targets he should get right. the opportunity I just hope he, he does something with it and really surprises us you, let me, let's hear your take because it seems like the tight end class for this draft is really solid Who's the best tight end in this class? I think tight end one of this class after year one, it's Sam Laporta. Wow. Yeah, I That's think he, he has a better. Yeah, I think he has a better season than Michael Meyer, for example, or or Dalton Kincaid. I think Dalton Kincaid should have been your pick. Yeah, but I'm I'm actually going off of this opportunity and targets being available here. So I think Sam Laporte will have the more the most opportunity of any of these guys, and he will have the more the most targets of any of these guys. So I think he will he will be the tight end one of this class after year one. Pretty good take. All right, who's your tight end so, too? 
my last guy, my tight end two here, it's Pat Frymuth. We've hinted at it before, and it's one of the guys that Angelo really likes here, so it will be tough for him to disagree with me. But, I mean, he's going at around late round eight, and if the Steelers often does take this step towards... Did you check your trade, by the way? I did, I did. I mean, I like Sam Howell. I don't it like Sam Howell It wasn't price. accepted? It wasn't accepted? It no, wasn't no, accepted. I, wow. I wasn't keen on moving, wow. moving a first and a second for Sam Howell, unfortunately it's, one, for you. It's, one, it's super flex, but two, come on, it's Sam Howell. Yes, I mean I like Sam Howell in the in the early round ten. I don't like Sam Howell at uh, a first and second round because it's Sam Howell. So you like him at a first? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't hate him at a second though. <laughs> okay. But you don't like him at any price, and you don't want to invest in the in the crappy Washington offense. So. You probably should have just sent it to me for a fourth or fight or a third. Uh, just clear up the <laughs> roster spot. <laughs> this guy. But yeah, going going back to to Frymuth, yeah, I think he's if the offense does take this step forward that I expect them to, I think they will they will have plenty of chances in the red zone, and that yeah, and it, that's his bread and butter. Uh, that's why he had that that pretty good like rookie season and so on. Wasn't really the yards or the receptions. Was that he had like what was it? He had like I believe yeah the stats here. Yeah, he had seven receiving touchdowns in his first rookie season, which of course placed him pre Darnwell in the tight end rankings. Even though he only had like four hundred and ninety seven receiving yards, but like in year two you could see a jump. I mean he had less targets and like only three more receptions than year one. And he did have like around 300 or 200 yards more receiving. He just liked the, the touchdowns because the offense wasn't that good. And with the jump that I expect from the offense to looking much better, I do think the touchdowns come back somewhat. So I'm expecting a, an all all wheels up season for Pat Frymuth. And I think he will, he will be a pretty good option right here, especially where he's being drafted. I think he might even get, give you a better return. Then a guy like, for example, Kittle, who's being drafted like three to four rounds earlier than he is right now. So yeah, Pat Fryermuth is one of my breakout picks here. So here's kind of the concern I would have for Pat Fryermuth because you're right, I do like him, and all the points I said about the Steelers' offense can apply to this, but. Historically speaking, and the Steelers are a very this the Steelers might be the one organization where history matters the most because they are the least adept to change. They are the least likely to change their ways. They're gonna keep the same head coach until he's ready to go. Mike Tomlin's gonna be there until he dies if he wants that to be the case. The Steelers do not historically use tight ends like that. Heath Miller is the best example of a Steelers tight end. And honestly, how many how many tight end one seasons did Heath Miller finish with? And Heath Miller was really really early into my my fantasy football days. But that's the thing. What's what is the example of this because the Steelers history is vast. What is the example of the Steelers tight end being a Good fantasy asset. I mean, I believe is, like that not, Eric, is that not concerning to you? 
it is slightly concerning to me, yeah, but I mean, for most of that stellar history that you are talking about, Ben Ben Roethlisberger was the QB for most of those those seasons, and now it's it's Kenny Pickett who might have different tendencies from from Ben. Now the the scheme and the offense might still run the same, it's but the I same, mean, yeah. yeah. What we do know from Pat and the whole Steelers offense with Pat in them is that they like to target him in the red zone. That's that's been established from like from the get go from his rookie season. Uh, he was targeted in the red zone and he was used as one of their their best weapons down there. I mean, just last season he didn't finish like that great of a season touchdown wise, and he still was like around 15 in the league in red zone targets, which isn't great. But for the the red zone like attempts that that they had, I think it's probably pretty good. Uh, they weren't the most prolific of offenses last year. He was unlucky to only finish with two receiving touchdowns. I think he can improve on that. And if if he had like anything closer to what he had, like his first season. We are talking about a guy with over 10 fantasy points per game, probably finished as a top five tight end, and we are probably not talking about him like as a, a round eight, round nine type of tight end. We're talking about him in the same phrases as Kittle and so on. So I do expect some touchdown positive, some positive touchdown regression here because he's used that much in the, in the red zone and so on. And if the offense takes a step forward, I mean, just last season, he had like 732 receiving yards. You tie that up with five or seven, uh, five to seven touchdowns, and you're looking at a guy that can probably match like the the output of a of a George Kittle. Wouldn't shock me. And you're you're drafting him at like four rounds of discount. So this is basically like my point. The dude had a pretty decent receiving season for a for a tight end in an offense that wasn't that prolific. Uh, and he just liked the touchdowns, and he was still not a bad fantasy option last year. So, in a more prolific, pro- proficient offense, uh, with more touchdowns, probably, I think you're getting him at a cheap, cheap discount. So, Alex is telling you, if the Steelers' offense is actually a top, whatever, 15 offense, 10 offense, like everyone and their mom thinks they are, the target isn't Deontay Johnson, the target isn't George Pickens, Get Pat Fryermuth, right? No, the the first no! target is Deontay. No! no, the first target is Deontay. The second is Pat. Though. Okay, 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 okay. I mean, yeah, I think if you if you want a, a George Kittle type season and you don't wait to pay for the name, you just uh, draft Pat Fryermuth. That's because an I do take because George Kittle is coming off an eleven touchdown season. Yeah, and I do think that Pat finishes the season higher than George. Ooh, that's spicy. I like that. Yeah. I don't think so because I think George is going to have more opportunity in the red zone than than Pat is. But, I mean, I could see it. It wouldn't surprise me. Well, that's all of my guys, basically. I've gone through throughout all of my list. You've given on your counterpoints. I think I I've, might have won a round or two. Especially like in Jahan Dotson and Sam Owl. Maybe it's just by pure exhaustion, but I did win those rounds. I <laughs> by pure exhaustion. I mean, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Is there anything you want to talk about before we get into the outro? Because I think we've been doing this for about an hour now. Yeah, it was about an hour, yeah. I so think yeah. I'm all good. 
You're all good. I think that I think that lasted a lot longer than I expected it to. Because I'm not gonna lie, when we did the um we did a second round or undrafted players draft in the basketball podcast and that flew like uh, I I can't even I can't even describe how fast that flew. Um I do have a question for you because I know we talked about this was behind the scenes stuff, but we talked about doing an analytics based episode and that's actually happening happening in the basketball podcast this week. When would you want to do something where you kind of explain the numbers that matter to you? And Man. we're doing we're doing a separate topic on top of that so it's just not a boring episode for people who don't who aren't into that. Would you want to do a second topic along with that? I mean, I believe with seasons starting up, it becomes increasingly more difficult because we will be talking about all, what what happened in the week, and we so only have one episode. Wait to the off season. So yeah, probably wait to the off season because the next episode, or either that or do it the next episode. Because, but I think next episode we we might as well like preview the week and so on. Uh, yeah, we might look it, into some bets with the um, like some parlor bets that. Or some odds, or we're gonna do something with the yeah. Kansas City. Yeah, I'm definitely into that. Yeah, I, I don't bet a whole lot in the NFL because it's one of those sports that I that I don't need a whole, a whole lot of stake in to watch it. Yeah, but I do, I do make. I'm about to say it's not something you have to say like make this bet. It's something like let's say um, Sky Moore projected a hundred yards over under. What would you take? We can. It's something like that. Yeah, and uh, but I, as I said, I I don't bet a whole lot, but I do bet. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the markets here in Portugal aren't great. Uh, you have like uh, over unders, handicap stuff like the the lines and so on. But you don't you don't really have those props. You only have receiving touchdowns and so on. You don't have like yeah, over under on receptions and uh, the yards and so on, which sort of hinders me a bit because I would I would like to do that more. It's it's the only thing that I bet in the NBA, for example. It's the props. I don't really touch the lines and so on. So I would like to have the option here in Portugal, but unfortunately, it's pretty restricted here for the NFL. It's they just don't explore it a whole lot. But yeah, I'm definitely done for that. And yeah, for the analytics stuff, it might be next off season because if we are if we are looking into to next week's games, I, I'm pretty sure that will take us the whole hour. So. Yeah, it makes it a bit harder to to get into the analytics. Yeah, that is true. So maybe something to look for in the off season if that interests you. Regardless, thank you guys for listening. This is, I think, I, this this isn't a hot take. I do more episodes than on the channel than anyone else does because I do this twice a week. And then I also do the basketball one. It is not really, I, I can't say it's taxing because I actually enjoy doing both of them. But if you guys appreciate the content, there is a donate button. And of course do all the socials, Adam plug the Apple thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah just don't forget to to raise five star guys leave leave comments there as well reviews anything like that we we always like to read those and we are always looking for feedback and so on so yeah just don't forget to rate us gives us all those five stars and so on helps with the platform and helps with like the reach and so on we will be really thankful guys also there's a donate button 
<laughs> yeah, don't forget about that one as well. That helps us in other ways and to, to improve the show and so on. So, oh, 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 I forgot to tell you because you are not linked to the email. So, before we get off, so they apparently Spotify does these like streamer or I don't even know what it's called. I'm gonna have to check in the email. But they do like a podcaster's podcast, which is a really weird thing saying it out loud. And it's an hour long and it gives you tips on being a better podcaster. I know huh. me and Ren have signed up for it, but um, if it's like a link I can share, I can give that to you because I'm gonna actually going to be at work when it's going on. So I'm not sure how much of it I'm going to be able to listen in. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um... I'll be down for that if you can, if you can send it to me. Okay, we'll do. Either way, thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. See ya. Peace. Peace.